Welcome to IMTV. I'm Alan Keyes, and this is Let's Talk America. Well, we're continuing our ongoing discussion today about uh, the present state of the country's affairs, but we're also going to be getting a little bit into what might be its future state uh, if we're not very careful. Uh, if we go wrong in November and happen to end up with somebody in the White House who's gung-ho committed to the thuggery and, uh, of the uh, communists who seem to have pretty much taken over the direction of the Democrat Party. Uh, I'll be talking about it, of course, with my co-host here, Bob Sisson. Hello, Bob. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Uh, and today is Tuesday. It's Mike Adams Day. Mm. So we'll be concentrating on things that Mike's inimitable intellect, the hard work that he's done in understanding a lot of the dimensions of the COVID crisis, as well as the overall crisis that's being built now around what is uh, being called in a lot of places the institution of health fascism. Fascism being the, the version of communism, right? that they mean to impose in the United States, which involves the, the corporate big guys. Uh, so you want to hear this. It's going to be very informative, I think. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alan Keyes. I just want to let you know that on a recurring basis every Tuesday, we're going to have a guest, Mike Adams, the Health Ranger. He's going to be joining us to talk about the whole array of challenges, both in terms of our health as a people and as individuals, and our health as a nation. We'll be looking at those things through the eyes of someone who has thought deeply about many things and who has many great ideas to share with me and with you and with everyone who tunes in to Let's Talk America on Tuesdays when we meet with the Health Ranger to talk about how we sustain the health of our liberty. Welcome back. Well, today I'm going to start out. Uh, of course, I want to welcome Mike to the show. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, great great I, to join I, you today. I wouldn't want folks to think that we were advertising falsely and we had promised one of the most important and famous figures uh, in America today, in my opinion, uh, and then didn't deliver. But no, every Tuesday, you can count on it, Mike is going to be here, except when um, unforeseen circumstances knock down his servers or otherwise uh, make him pray uh, to the vagaries we're all subject to right now. Since in one respect or another, Mike, I think we're all of us who are standing against this tidal wave of insanity and evil uh, are pretty much under attack, don't you think? We are. We are indeed. They don't want our voices to be heard, and they don't want really any intellect to rise above the noise. You know, rational discussion is banned more than anything else. And in fact, real science and medicine and economics and cultural discussions are all banned. So, uh, and those are the things that we love to talk about, right? <laughs> yes. Well, I see some hope on the horizon, Bob, because the other day, I was uh, reading an article about Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri. And the senator was making a statement I wish we could hear from every supposedly pro-life senator in the U.S. Congress. He said definitively that he was not ever going to vote for somebody who didn't have in their record when they were nominated to the U.S. Supreme Court uh, evidence that they would overturn Roe v. Wade. Isn't that interesting? That is very interesting. He said he wasn't going to accept the promises, he wasn't going to accept future uh, speculations and so forth and so on because uh, he said, I, uh, we can't trust any of it. Uh, and I think that that's probably a result of watching what's been going on on the Supreme Court lately. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like people that say, you know, when I make more money, I'm going to give a lot of it to God. And I'm going, no, you're not. If you're not giving now, you never will. So quit living the dream. Man. Yep, yep. Uh, but we are in the midst of a situation, unfortunately, I think, where the country has been trusting people. Uh, we have mainly been trusting the bunch of bureaucrats at FDA and CDC and all these other places uh, to be acting in the best interests of Americans. And I think it's pretty obvious that that's not what's happening. And that in point of fact, these bureaucrats, especially as represented by Dr. Fauci, but apparently all of them are falling into line because various people have come forward in the last few days making statements about masks and personal responsibility and all this. 
all of which seem to suggest that unless we enslave ourselves to the present whims of a lot of these mayors and Democrat governors and all who think that the thugs should be allowed to breathe nice fresh air while they are robbing and looting and burning, but the rest of us can't even do that in our homes uh, because it's going to spread the virus. So the only folks who don't spread the virus, Mike, are the criminals on the street. Do you think that's plausible? No, uh, what they're doing, they're just showing us their, their hand, and it's not a hand rooted in science at all. It's, it's all politicized. And they're telling us absurd things, like you say, that uh, left-wing Antifa rioters don't spread uh, uh, the coronavirus when they're out in public, but people who go to church do, or people who rally for Trump do. I mean, these are insane, absurd ideas. But that's only the beginning of their absurdity. They also say that hydroxychloroquine a drug that has been prescribed to tens of millions of people over the last four decades or so, and has a, almost a, a near perfect track record of safety. Now suddenly it's very, very dangerous and causes heart attacks and has to be outlawed and banned. And yes? No, I was just gonna say, you had a wonderful article that uh, I wanted folks to, uh, to be aware of as we were talking here. You had a wonderful article. Uh, Dr. Merrill Nask discovers hydroxychloroquine experiments were designed to kill COVID patients. Yes. How many were murdered, question mark? I love the way that you all present these things so forthrightly and in this common sense way. This is uh, from Health Impact News. Uh, and the wonderful thing that I see in this question, obviously, uh, is, and then the article presents it uh, and goes into some detail about it, uh, that uh, they were using in these trials, and apparently these trials are still going on, uh, they're using four times the safe dose, the well-known safe dose. So what's in the usual medicine is not what they're using. They're using four times that dose, and they're applying it to people who are part of these studies. Uh, well, wouldn't that qualify as murder in most places, where you <laughs> consciously do harm yes. to people to kill them? Yes, and the, the pharmaceutical establishment routinely engages in not just science fraud, but murder, and the use of children in particular for heinous, illegal medical experiments involving vaccines. And they tend to use children in African nations, uh, such as Nigeria, for example. Uh, Pfizer CEOs were indicted by the government of Nigeria for the death of children following Pfizer vaccine experiments in, in, in that nation. Now. It's, you got to understand, though, it's routine for the, the science establishment to fake studies and rig studies to produce the outcome they want. They pre-decide before the study begins whether they want this substance that they're testing, whether it's a vitamin, an herb, a drug, an off-patent drug, an on-patent drug, whatever. They pre-decide the outcome they want, and then they rig the trial to produce that outcome. So, for example, for many years they've attacked vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin D supplements, and they would rig trials to use very low doses of vitamin D, such as 200 IUs per day, when you should be taking more like maybe 4,000, right? But they would use 200, and then the study, the conclusion would say, vitamin D doesn't prevent cancer, vitamin D doesn't support immune function, it's conclusive, it's the new science, and then, and then the mainstream media would run the story, vitamin D, useless. Well, you didn't use enough. Or in the opposite situation, like you're talking about, they want to destroy uh, hydroxychloroquine, so they use a fatal dose on purpose. They kill patients, and then they say, look, hydroxychloroquine killed people. Yeah, because you use too much. They are, they are bad faith actors, Alan. Big Pharma and the fake science industry and the medical journals, The Lancet, the New England Journal of Medicine, Nature, they are all fraudulent criminal institutions uh, filled with bad faith actors that will, will harm and kill human beings to protect their profits. Well, I would have said at one time that uh, you, you're exactly right. But I think that now in the context we're operating in, it is profits, yes, exactly as you said, uh, because this is something that helps and has helped to build their billion dollar empires. They've used those billion dollar empires, at least in part, however, to get an inordinate influence over the people who are making the decisions in our bureaucracy and the laws in our Congress. Uh, and in the midst of the present crisis, 
that translates into a willingness to tolerate a narrative of lies that contributes to their profit, but that must ultimately also lead to the overthrow of our constitutional system of self-government. Uh, and the question then becomes, uh, have they made themselves consciously a party to this overthrow, or are they so hungry for profits that they don't care what the other consequences are? Uh, and, and one of the signs that this is uh, directly related to the issue of the crisis and how it's been dealt with is because of what's been happening recently, finally. We talked about it a little earlier on. We had people on the show here, you I know have dealt with it, where you have frontline doctors who were questioning the narrative mm. that has been produced by the Fauci task force, right? Um, and since Fauci means Jaws in Italian, I now refer to it as the Dr. Jaws task force, uh, giving you the impression of a, of a shark that's devouring everything in its path. But leave that aside. Uh, it was, the, the, uh, the task force has been emphasizing the need to wait for the vaccine, wait for the vaccine. Well, uh, in the course of the last uh, week and a half, you have seen come forward a group of people who call themselves America's frontline doctors, the folks who are doing the work of actually working with people who are infected with the virus, who have come down with some uh, 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 acute form of the virus, and, and they are saying that, for instance, hydroxychloroquine actually works as a prophylactic that will help you from getting these worst symptoms so that you don't get put on a ventilator and have all of these kinds of problems. Interesting thing. Um, and what I find most interesting, though, is that they have been shut down. They came out. Of course, a lot of people started going to the site. They did a live broadcast. At the end of the day, 20 million people were watching this. And guess what the big tech guys did? They shut it down. They shut it down. And then they had another uh, conference. They went to Capitol Hill uh, to talk about it and to make the point. They're not talking out of their, uh, 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 you know, the, uh, the wrong end of their anatomy. They are talking from their experience. And their experience is that they have been able to cure people, hundreds of them, uh, when they used uh, a certain uh, a regime that had hydroxychloroquine at the center, used azithromycin and zinc, as I recall, right? And they were curing people. Sounds uh, a lot like what they may have used as a prophylactic for uh, President Trump. Uh, and, and yet this is being crushed, it's being knocked down. What is the ultimate goal of this? Well, I saw a little thing, and uh, we actually did a clip from it, where uh, Bill Gates was being interviewed about the only way that we can return to normal, some form of normalcy, as he calls it, right? I want you to listen to this little clip from Bill Gates answering the question, well, it looks like this is going to lead to a collapse of the economy. He says, yes, there's the worst uh, collapse of the economy as in 1873 or the Great Depression. I don't know. It's probably far worse than either of them. And then he says this. But you don't have a choice. People act like you have a choice. People don't feel like going to the stadium uh, when they might get infected. You know, it, it's not the government who's saying, okay, just ignore this disease and, you know, People are deeply affected by seeing these deaths, by knowing they could be part of the transmission chain and you know, old people, uh, their parents, their grandparents could be affected by this. And so you don't, you know, you don't get to say, uh, ignore uh, what's going on here. There, are, there will be the ability, particularly in rich countries, to open up if things are done well over the next few months. But for the world at large, normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. Now, this is fascinating, don't you think, Mike? I mean, here is this man telling us that the only normalcy we're going to get, uh, apart from what a few really wealthy countries might be able to achieve, I, I like the way he made that exception, by the way, uh, because it's one of those invidious distinctions 
that I think a lot of Bill Gateses and others, they don't pretend to be so humanitarian and stuff, but in point of fact, we're headed down a road where they admit, general one of mankind's just gonna be crushed. Uh, if you happen to be the wealthy people, you might be able to get through this, but the only way we'll return to normalcy is if we have the vaccine. Now this coming from a guy who is known to have used vaccination in order to go forward with experiments in population reduction, which is the aim of that foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, that's their aim. So you have a guy pushing vaccines, who happens also at the same time to push the reduction in human population to a degree from what is it now, eight billion or so? And you gotta go all the way down to maybe less than a billion, depending on his which version of Bill Gates' uh, uh, talks you're listening to. That sounds like mass extermination to me. And then we come across his abuse of viruses and the statement that you've got to have the virus. And then finally, what they're doing with the hydroxychloroquine tests, which leaves you with the impression that they will rig the tests to force everybody to take the virus, even if it means including in the test elements that are actually going to positively result in a far greater death toll than the coronavirus ever would have. Doesn't that suggest that something is that for all they talk about, he talks about, oh, we want to save the grandparents. They're not interested in saving anybody. These are just murderous individuals. And they have a vision of the future that allows them to dominate ideologically or materially. And they mean to produce it no matter how many human beings they have to kill. Is that exaggeration or is that exactly what this evidence suggests? No, I think you've only scratched the surface of it. And, and I, I will address the Bill Gates question in a second here, uh, but I want to talk about hydroxychloroquine first, why, why they're really trying to destroy it. Uh, but uh, I, di I didn't get the audio on uh, the Bill Gates segment there oh. coming through. And no, it's okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with that clip. It's just I'm not good at reading the lips of demons, so I, I might not have <laughs> Sorry, exact, we apologize. Uh, wording. Uh, so, but anyway, on hydroxychloroquine, look, the, you can make it yourself. You know, it's based on quinine, which is a, an extract from tree bark, and it's also, it's a common molecule that's synthesized by many plants, uh, including citrus fruit. Uh, you can find it in grapefruit peels, for example. So, uh, you know, a tonic water. You know, people, if, if, if people learn that hydroxychloroquine worked, you can get the chloroquine, you know, without the hydroxy, uh, molecular cluster on it, you can get chloroquine and quinine in, from many different natural sources. People can make the medicine themselves. And that's the last thing that Big Pharma wants people to realize. Oh, you can make medicine yourself. You can grow it in your backyard. You can harvest it from a grocery store. You know, oh, they can't let people realize that. They've got to trap people in a system of vaccine compliance. And that's where Bill Gates comes in, where he's saying, uh, it, not only in this interview, but in others as well, that you're going to have to have multiple doses. So it's not just about getting vaccinated once. Even though they claim that vaccines should work, you know, if the theory is correct, you should get one vaccine shot and you should be immune for life. But not in this case. You're going to have to get four vaccine shots a year, year after year after year, forever. And who knows what the safety record is going to be on those vaccines? Who knows what they're going to accidentally or intentionally put into those vaccines. And we already know from the Moderna press releases that the more doses you take, the more side effects you show. Mm. And in the second dose, high dose group in their clinical trial, and this was in their press release, 100% right. of the patients experienced systemic side effects. 100% wasn't a single person who didn't experience a side effect. And that's just the second injection. What's gonna happen after three or four or five what about the immunocompromised individuals? What about the elderly? What about the children who don't have fully developed immune systems? What about those suffering from heavy metals uh, exposure, those suffering from pollution exposure? This vaccine, and you can quote me on this, this vaccine is going to kill more people than the coronavirus pandemic. Oh, no doubt. That's how deadly it is. No well, doubt. see, I think that that leads us to have to seriously examine the question of what aim or goal would justify this kind of massive risk attended in the end 
by a carefully administered global mass murder, something that will make the mass murders of the 20th century pale by comparison, uh, except for the ingenious way in which they're slipping it past the defenses of people so that they don't get roused against the horrors uh, of what is actually being done. What's the goal? Uh, and, and, and I think that when you look at the context in which this is happening in America and elsewhere, uh, you have to look for a fairly large fundamental and long-term effect, particularly, I believe, uh, on the people in the Western countries. Uh, I don't think this, it was an accident that this began in a way that was clearly targeted at the United States, at Western Europe in the first place, even though it originated in Asia, yet there are all kinds of things out there that suggest that what we were actually dealing with, either beforehand as part of a strategy or after the fact to take advantage of the situation, I think it was the former rather than the latter, it was an attack uh, intended to debilitate the Western countries uh, economically, uh, and then to open the way to a degradation of their social cohesion that could be taken advantage of in effect, to move them off the chessboard of global power, uh, and achieve the goal that I think the Chinese government has, but that the leftist communists still all over the world have, of replacing what has been the order in America and in the West with an order that is based on, well, basically communist enslavement. Are people waking up to this yet? I think they are in increasing numbers, and they, they'd better wake up quickly because the globalists really, uh, they are trying to create largely a post-human future. Uh, they're into transhumanism, merging with the machines. They've rejected God and spirituality, and they've developed technology of automation, the rise of the robots to replace the laborers of humanity that have, uh, for all of human history, provided the tax farms that globalists siphon off to enrich themselves at the expense of others. But they no longer need what they call the useless eaters. Those are people like uh, you and I that pay taxes and enrich the, the globalists. They don't need us any longer. They don't want us around any, any longer. And they've also come to realize that no government of the world can remain solvent by continuing to pay increasing entitlements, uh, retirement benefits, social security, things like that. So the only way that these governments can remain solvent and the elites can stay in power is to carry out mass murder on a global scale. And that's exactly what they are engineering and that's why they have no plan to reopen the economy. They have no plan to ever return to normal. They have no plan to give you back any sense of freedom. And they're locking people down without any justification in Melbourne, Australia, they've locked people down with a, a medical martial law that says you can't travel more than five kilometers from your own home for any reason, that you're going to be locked down for six weeks, and they don't even have very many infections there. It's, it, it's not even based on infections. It's based on tyranny. That's mm. the goal. Well, I think when we get back, uh, I, I would like to discuss, now you all can, you know, of course, change the course, yeah, right. because this is a conversation. No, it is a conversation. But one of the things that's on my mind, uh, well, it's twofold, actually. Uh, and one of them has to do with the various ways in which they're translating this uh, tendentious goal into practice in the United States and elsewhere, and why it is that our populations are accepting it, uh, even though I think more and more of them are beginning to wake up to the implication uh, that uh, they are going to end up with a way of doing business in which they are essentially returned to slavery to the few, which was the prevailing form of government throughout the history of the world. Uh, and the other question, which I think is very relevant right now as we head toward an election, is uh, how can Donald Trump handle the reality of this situation? Let's stop talking about the non-reality but deal with the reality you and I are talking about. Is he aware of it? How could he, in fact, do something about it? Or is there nothing to do? Uh, ponder that, and we'll be right back after this message. More IMTV episodes? We are now streaming through Roku. 
Roku is a device that enables you to stream entertainment to your TV through your internet provider. The starting price is only $29, and you can purchase one either online or through your local electronics retailer. It's easy to use, and you won't have to worry about missing any more IMTV episodes. IMTV, changing the world. Podcasts are great when you're a multitasking person. You can listen to them around the house, when you're out in the car, when you take a walk. Now we have put our shows on to podcasts, and you can listen to Let's Talk America uh, on podcasts. You can find them at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, and other apps. While you're there, subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on our new episodes. Thanks for listening and supporting us. Together, we're changing the world. Welcome back. Uh, we have been talking uh, about the real nature of the present crisis that we, and I think the whole Western world, the whole world that in the course of the latter half of the 20th century was the focal point uh, of human advances and hope and so forth and so on. While, by the way, other parts of the world uh, including parts of the world like China that had been enormously important at certain, in certain parts of human history, uh, seemed to be falling behind. Now, I think the Chinese have decided to make up for lost time. They know that they can only do it at the expense of the West, and particularly the leader of the West, the United States, and they are actually warring against us. Uh, every now and again, you'll see one of our government officials actually use that word, warring against us. Uh, but usually not. For some reason, they want to avoid having the American people think of the Chinese as our enemies, uh, despite the fact that it's pretty obvious that either through their positive strategic purpose and application or through their uh, neglect and incompetence, a whole bunch of people are dying in America and other parts of the world uh, because of their activities. Uh, and they don't seem to be the least bit worried about these activities or ashamed of them. They're just trying to figure out how they can better themselves in terms of their power over the rest of the world, making use of these activities. But they're not the only ones. And so we've got a, a twofold situation here. But one part of that situation, Mike, I think, is what is going to be the reaction of the American people. Now, I, I know that there's a kind of cataclysmic result if we let a lot of these commie-minded folks who are now openly working their will through a bunch of thugs on the streets of cities all around the country. They've declared war, essentially, on the American way of life. They may call themselves Democrats and allude to the fact that they are a party that goes back in American history. But I recall that, you know, in the first part of my life, you had the 1930s. Uh, and the Democrat Party and the unions and people like this, they were steadfastly anti-communist, at least openly and in terms of many of their activities. You get to John F. Kennedy, he was still an anti-communist uh, and a coal warrior and so forth and so on. I think this slide in the Democrats started with McGovern and uh, has started now to go from McGovern losing by a landslide because Americans recognized that he was an agent of the very kind of enslavement of humanity that our people had fought and died to stop, uh, they realized that and rejected him, right? And now they're teetering on the brink. They've put up a figurehead, Joseph Biden, who may or may not have any long-term future in the presidency, even if he does get elected, because he's looking more and more like a guy uh, who really doesn't have the wherewithal uh, to handle not only the job, but himself in the job, but we'll see. Um, so if they have in mind putting somebody else in, the lead character right now is this uh, lady named Bass, I guess, who has a background that suggests that she, like Obama, is a trained Marxist, dyed in the wool, deeply committed from her youth, and whatever little mask she's putting on now, if she became president of the United States, she would want to hurtle us down, gallop us down, the road to totalitarian communist enslavement. Um, I am praying to God that Americans are waking up to this, but there are two questions. Are they, and what do we need to do to wake them up? And the final question is, is there time? 
to have this make a difference in the choice people make at the polls? Well, it's a lot to tackle. So there, there's a race to collapse actually taking place. Uh, the, the U.S. dollar, with all of the money printing, the trillions of dollars in fake fiat currency debt that's being used as bailout money, uh, will collapse the dollar and it will collapse the United States of America uh, government at some point. But China, China's government is also on the verge of economic collapse. And if they lose their Three Gorges Dam, by the way, which they have now confirmed has shifted and is buckling under the weight of the record flood waters moving through central China, if that dam fails, I can't even begin to tell you the global ramifications, but probably the, the Chinese regime would be over and done with. I mean, they would face mass starvation. There are at least 10 nuclear power plants downstream from that dam. They would have perhaps 10 Fukushimas. They would irradiate much of central China with uh, you know, cesium and long-term radioisotopes. It would be devastating uh, economically. It would be devastating to the food production, devastating to their government. China would be a shadow of its former self if that dam fails. 40% of China's GDP moves through the region below that dam, and the dam is shifting, and it, it's not looking good. But the, the real question about communism in the United States, yes, the Democrats are all in with communists. Many of the universities are taking money from communists. The left-wing media is pro-communism. I mean, CNN hosts worship Castro, for example. But communism is, is going to fail. But then again, so is Western civilization because of the financial problems that I've mentioned. The question is which one fails first and who's in charge when it fails. So part of the answer, I believe, is you know, why we should vote for Trump, for example, over Biden. It's not that Trump can save America, and I'm sorry to be the pessimist, I don't think he can, but we don't want a Democrat communist in charge when the system craters, because then you will be under authoritarian tyranny run by you know, communist-oriented people, whereas if Trump is in charge when the system craters, which seems to be the likely outcome, then you'll get maybe less tyranny. I, you know, again, I'm sorry to be the pessimist here, there is not a good outcome. The, the, the only way to save America, as I've mentioned before, is a spiritual repentance, a mm -hmm. mass spiritual awakening. We must denounce the, the child murder, the transgenderism, child abuse, the pedophilia of the political elites. That's the only way to save America. It's a spiritual uh, priority at this point, not economic, not kinetic. We, we, we better beg God for forgiveness and beg him to save our country, because that's, that's the only option we have now. Well, see, this was one of the things that well made me hesitate uh, during the course of the run-up to the 2016 election. And I say this quite often, so people in the audience have heard it before. But what gave me pause was when President Trump was asked whether he had ever asked God for forgiveness. Mm. And not once, not twice, but three times, the famous three times, he was asked that question in various ways at various times. And he gave what was a similar answer. Well, uh, no, you know, I don't know real well. Probably when I took the little, uh, the little, um, what did he call it, wafer or something he called it. Uh, but really, when I uh, feel like I've done something wrong, I fix it. Is what he said. <laughs> uh, you don't turn to God and ask forgiveness. You fix it. This left me <laughs> wondering because I think the way you do, Mike. I think the one thing this nation needs is to get down on its knees and ask God's forgiveness and then get up with the thought in mind that we will walk the walk of the path we were set on when we were founded, mm. with a path that requires that in order to understand all our rights, we must look to the standard of righteousness, which is God's will. That's what's in the Declaration of Independence. Uh, and if we don't get back there, we're not going to be the sort of people who can find our way through uh, this period of darkness and devastation to a period of, uh, of where there's the possibility uh, that we can, can rebuild something for ourselves as a people. A matter of fact, if we don't do it, we won't even think of ourselves as a people anymore. We'll be all disintegrated into these identity politics fragments that the left and the commies are so anxious to impose on us. Uh, the, dia the dialectic, the material dialectic has failed. It failed a long time ago. 
but they knew that it was failing, and they came up with this other way of putting us in contradiction with ourselves. They emphasized the moral and the spiritual and the frustration, emotionally and otherwise, that arises from what are moral and spiritual perceptions of injustice, right? Injustice is not a material thing. It's a perception of wrong in the way that you've been treated, and they've been exploiting that. So their warfare against us is spiritual, and the only aid we have is in God. But who is going to lead us? Who is going to bring us together as a repentant people to represent not themselves, but the whole nation as it gets down on its knees to beg God's forgiveness? Um, I think there's only one focal point for that in the way we have things arranged under our Constitution, and that is the President of the United States. He must lead us in that repentance. And I remember during the course of the election, people asked, well, you know, we're not electing a pastor. And that outraged me. Christian people saying we're not electing a pastor when the only way we get back to understand and resurrect the standard of our existence as one nation is if we have someone who has the heart of a pastor and will turn this nation's heart and conscience back to God. Um, is there any hope that, that this will happen? Because it's going to require a positive representation of our decision to go back to him. Well, what? Trump, uh, uh, did you want to talk, Bob? Well, sure. now I just want to say, now I was just thinking, I'm getting depressed now. If we're dependent upon President Trump to lead us back to the Lord since we've already established he's probably never even been there, we, we do have a problem on our hands. I hope that's not accurate, and it may well be. I want you to go back real quickly, though. I, I really like that, that Dr. Stella Emanuel. I really think she is a voice that God gave us. And I wonder if some of her fervor doesn't come from, from the fact that she did go to school in Nigeria, where you already established Pfizer has already murdered a bunch of people. She knows firsthand of the murdering of the pharmaceutical and the vaccine people. She's seen it firsthand, and she's doing her best to help us all out. And of course, she's been attacked. I hope Christian people are coming to her rescue. But, uh, I, you know, we do need a voice, and it may be the two of y'all, but we need a voice. And that the people that you're now interviewing, Mike, I saw where you said that interview. What was the, the guy's name you interviewed? And how can people see that video it's on, uh, it's on, it's on Brighteon. Brighteon, right. But how do we look it up? The video you did with the doctor. I mean, with the Well, with it's the Fred, Fred Markert is the, uh, the guest, uh, M-A-R-K-E-R-T. Uh, Fred Markert, he's an expert in the rise and fall of human civilizations. And he warns in that video that was just posted that uh, we are past the tipping point for this civilization. And he agrees the only solution is a, a return to God. A national revival. You know, well, we should have millions of people marching in the streets, just not burning down police stations, but marching in front of Planned Parenthood, demanding the arrest and the prosecution of child murderers. Right. You know, and and begging for forgiveness, praying to God to forgive our nation for Roe versus Wade and the other sins that our nation has committed: LGBT. Uh, transgenderism, indoctrination of children, the maiming of the genitalia of young boys and girls, and so on. These are sins against the cosmos, sins against God. Right. And let me go on record to say, of course, I got my refuse to be silenced, my bright down t-shirt on. Everybody should be going there. But let me go on record saying, it's not, God is not something up there and you pray to Him and, and, and there's some kind of connection. He revealed Himself in the Holy Scriptures and what happened to America and everyone should know this, is people got away from the scriptures. We started listening to men, we got busy chasing money, listening to people saying, oh, don't worry, I'm, I've got you connected to God. Come back next Sunday, I'll tell you what's going on. That was a lie. Each one of us has to spend time with the living God every day. I've been saying this, I've been doing it for 30 years, so I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. And that is the key to the revival and the turnaround, if it happens, it will happen because millions of Americans start spending time with God, not talking to Him, but listening to Him. So, praise the Lord. I'm glad about what's happening, but and I hope it's not too late. 
Well, imagine though, because we, we act as if we don't have in front of us a, a structure of government that allows for the effort to revive the people en masse, right? To touch their hearts, yes, and then challenge them to do what's necessary. Uh, imagine, for example, that um, in the course of this month, maybe, uh, or uh, I, I would say it's probably best done this month, because by the time you get to September, you're well and fully, truly into, once you pass Labor Day, uh, the season when everything is all political. Uh, but I think that, uh, and I'll use the example again, because I don't know where else to go. Uh, and the reason I'm going there, everybody, is because maybe it's too late, but it would be good if we woke up to the fact that electing the President of the United States is the most important thing the body politic does. Mm. And if we do it, forgetting who we are and who we depend on for our very identity as a people, then we suffer the consequences. But that doesn't mean God has forgotten us. Not necessarily. That doesn't mean that if we are a people willing to hear his voice at some point uh, and respond to it, he's not going to attend to us. Because he says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So whatever's going on out there in the world, he that is in us, if we are truly aware of who he is and that power of God which he represents, uh, he can help us. Uh, and, and, and so one of the things I would say, let's have fervent prayer that Donald Trump will be moved to call this nation to repentance. Mm. I don't think that's an impossible thing. God, in his mercy, could open up the font. If he was able to turn around St. Paul, he could turn around Donald Trump and anybody else he wants to. Amen. If that's what's necessary. Uh, and I think that when you put people in the midst of a crisis and where suddenly they're confronted with the fact that it's not just about them, and I think that everybody who reaches the presidency reaches that critical moment, especially the good ones. And none of us denied that Donald Trump, in many respects, has been a good one. And as we reach this sort of denouement, as they'd call it, in the plays, uh, what we need is for him, first of all, to open his heart to God and then see there is one person who could get up and say, we're going on X day, I declare it a day of fasting and prayer and repentance in the United States. But this time, we need to defy every danger, we need to defy every human prescription, and we need to turn out in the streets of our cities and towns with one thought in mind, not to commit mayhem, not to make demands of any human authority whatsoever but to example to God and to one another that we are repentant, that we'll go down on our knees and beg his forgiveness, not the forgiveness of black folks because they were black when they in various eras of the world's history and even now are, are as evil as any generation has ever been, I and everybody else. If Solomon could say in the Proverbs, you know, the just uh, 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 man does good, but there is not one of them without sin, mm. okay? Let's remember that. Nobody's without sin. No ethnic group is without sin. No nation is without sin. No past or background is win without sin. And no skin color guarantees that you have somehow been guilt-free or guilty of sin. Uh, and, and knowing that, if somebody were to call us to that kind of day, that would be a first step in looking around at each other with the masks off, putting ourselves wholly in the hands of God's providence and say, Lord, heal us of our sin, not of our virus, but of our sin. Mm. Wouldn't that be a beginning? I, I've, I'm going to read a, some scripture for you here. I happen to have it printed out because I was talking about this just yesterday. Mm. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 7. Bob, Bob will know this uh, very well because he's read the Bible a thousand times, I think. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, The Lord says, if at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and will not inflict upon it the disaster I had Amen. planned. And in verse 11, he continues, So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. God is telling us that we can make a choice, we can change, we can repent. And you're right, Alan, 
if the president of the United States were to have the courage to say these things and to beg God for forgiveness for our entire nation and the history of our nation and lead our nation in prayer, then we might have a chance. God, God will have mercy on us if we do that. Well, I, I hope, see, because I think that God listens to fervent prayer. Uh, and sometimes we remember the verse where, where he listens to the fervent prayers of the righteous man, Talk right? We remember that yep. a lot. Yep. But then Christ himself examples the fact that he will also listen to the prayers of those who acknowledge that they are sinful but still in need of aid mm. and who come to him recognizing him as God and recognizing him, in him the power of God and ask for forgiveness. If we had Christian people turn out by the millions in America just one day and look around, that fervency would rise up to God and guess what? He would send it back into our hearts so that we would know that there is within us that one who is greater than that which is in the world. And if we are being assaulted at that spiritual level, which we certainly are, we have in us the power to overcome that assault in the right way. Uh, and, and that fervent prayer ought to be directed not at getting what we want and doing what we please and sa being saved from that scourge which we may very well deserve, but instead let's direct it at begging God for forgiveness and asking him as the one grace that he would move the heart of our president to take the lead mm. in doing so. Pray it every day and pray it every night that he would be moved to see this necessity and call us to this form of true repentance. And I think there'd be more than a hope. There'd be a recognition that God is already at work. Look at the uh, Doctors Without Borders. The yeah, things right. they are using to make us most afraid. The message I get, uh, Mike, is that whether it's a nutrition regimen, whether it's an awareness of things like hydroxychloroquine, whether it's chlorine dioxide, which we talk about and which I have experienced the benefits of beyond doubt, if it's those things, then God has already made provision for us to deal with that enemy. We don't have to be afraid of it anymore. That fear is what Bill Gates openly exploited in his little comment, right? He basically right. thinks we're all so afraid that we can now be regimented to do what they want, even if it means that we will surrender most of the world to a fate of starvation and collapse. What kind of a monstrous thought is this? But anyway, um, but we don't have to follow that road. Don't you think that that's part of why these courageous people like the doctors and others who have been speaking out, even like my good friend Bob Sisson, they want us to remember God's provision. Through them, we can see that we do not have to be afraid. They, they, they desperately try to silence and censor all the voices that that resonate with truth. And, and the truth is, as you said, God has actually placed molecules all around us in nature, in food, in herbs, molecules that can beat any pandemic. And, and God doesn't charge royalties or patent fees. Mm. You know, it's free. It's free to all humans if we would simply set ourselves free to invoke the healing that has already been provided for us at no charge, at no cost. We cannot allow our society to be run by those who would distance us, isolate us from the healing that God has placed on earth for us. And, and that's what Bill Gates is. That's why I called him a demon, because he is one who isolates man from God. And that's what Faust is. Uh, excuse me, I mean Fauci. Um, <laughs> who, who would isolate man from God. And that's their job. That's Big Pharma's job, is to isolate you from the molecules that are here to heal you and that have been here long before the existence of the FDA or the CDC or the corrupt WHO or even the existence of communism. God has placed everything that we need to heal on our planet if we're only wise enough to recognize it. That's all. And I think that that isolation you speak of, isn't that partly represented in all this mask business? I'm sorry, I just find it breathtakingly uh, Literally. Uh, significant. I was thinking the other day as I was in the supermarket looking at all these people wearing the masks that in a funny kind of way, despite our heritage as a Christian people and civilization, 
uh, we're being put in purdah, where they muffle up and cover up the face and everything of, of uh, the ladies in order to signify what? That they are the servants of a, a regime that basically has enslaved them to a purpose. Uh, and that they really are not to make a choice because they are hiding or, or shrouded uh, in something that keeps them on the path of their servitude. Uh, and I looked around and I said, is this what we have become? And I think not. You know, I think one of the wonderful things about the Lord is that uh, even in the book of Job, uh, he is going to stand there face to face and in his flesh he will see God, mm. mask off. Uh, and that trust in God is the only thing that in the end guarantees against COVID virus and everything else. We're each day under millions of different kinds of attacks, physically, morally, spiritually. We must return to that which has been the mainstay of our courage as a people. Uh, that's what I think Mike is saying. That's what I think, Bob, you've been saying with your whole life and ministry. And that's what we must begin to remember as the first legacy of our founding. That acknowledgement that if we have liberty and all these rights, it depends on our walk with God in the righteousness of God by what? By the endowment of God, which is the product of his good will. Rely upon it, pray for it, and we will find, I think, that it's really never too late, because with God, all things are possible. Mm. Ponder that and join us again here at Let's Talk America. <laughs>